Hey friends, Jesse J here. I am going to do this as best as I can. And most importantly, as authentic as I can, because I think that is important. So what I'd like to touch on is uh, grief. And here's where I want to start. I have been dealing with grief my entire life. And um, I'm not even meaning distant cousins, you know, friend of a friend of the family. Um, I lost my sister when I was two. And really not even a whole lot of time goes in between each of the deaths that I, and anyone else that's really close to me because, right, like my sister was not just me. My parents grieved and my brother grieved and my aunts and uncles grieved and my grandparents grieved, you know. Uh, but I can just speak from my own experience, which is what I'd like to do today. Um, a few, well, let me say this. Throughout all of the death and grief that I've had to face in my lifetime, I'm going to say that losing my father has been by far the hardest that I've ever had to experience. And I understand that I say that two weeks to the day after his passing. So I know it's fresh. So I know it's recent and I know it's current and all of those things. But um, it has not been that long that I've completely grieved the other people who died recently. I lost probably the closest person to me I, I think it's going to be four years this October, which is crazy to think about. Like, it still feels like yesterday or the day before that I talked to Tamika. And I still find myself referencing her or sharing stories about, you know, things that we did. And certain songs come on and they either pump me up and make me really excited to listen to them and think about good stuff. Or, you know, a song will come on and it'll make me sad uh, because I miss her so much. And so even that loss, which hit me really hard, and it came soon after a childhood friend that I had grown up with had passed away. And then that wasn't too much before, I'm sorry, too much after Darion, who I viewed as one of my bonus children, passed away. Like, it's just been nonstop. And just when I feel like maybe I'm trying to get some footing from one, gosh darn it, I'll be daggone if something else happens. And my dad, so let me share some information. I don't really remember exactly what I shared in the first one. I know it was very soon after he was diagnosed. So early March my dad was diagnosed with cancer. At first, they didn't know what kind. They assumed it was lung cancer. 
just because he had it in his lungs. And they assumed it came from somewhere else, but they didn't really know where or the capacity at which, what level he was at. Stage, I guess, is a better word. And so after they did some testing, they found out that what he had was stage four neuroendocrine carcinoma. So almost like one of the worst diagnoses that you can get because everything runs through the neuroendocrine. I mean, just everything. There's just no going around that. They think it started in his GI tract and then got access to his endocrine system, which then spread it everywhere. And at first, even just the initial diagnosis was grim. But then it was like it just kept getting worse. And we went from early March. My dad was in a lot of pain because of his back, but he had experienced periods of that before. My dad was a hardworking man his entire life, always did manual jobs. So he, like his back hurting at 70 years old made sense. It didn't throw any flags. My dad at the, I guess, end of last year, he wanted to start taking control, better control of his health. And he was attending diabetes conventions and like education classes. That's better than convention. But he was attending these classes to like learn about his type 2 diabetes and how to manage it. And he was recommended to start taking a diabetic medication. I don't remember the name of it. And my dad started losing weight rapidly. And this was, we kind of, all of us, we noticed, and we were all kind of saying to him, dad, are you supposed to be losing weight like this? And he's like, yes, my doctor is monitoring it. This is very normal with this medicine. Okay. And I remember when I saw him early January, like sometime January, early February, that I started to really get the feeling like something was wrong. And you would ask him and he would still say, this is normal. And I'm like, directly asking, is this something we should be worried about? No. And I don't think that my dad knew. I don't think that he was hiding something from us. Uh, the doctors believe that this cancer came fairly recently and just spread rapidly. I think the, um, maybe the second week that he was diagnosed, like the, he was diagnosed. And then by the end of the next week, if not even the same week, all the weeks are going together for me. But my dad went into diabetic ketoacidosis and it was because he was continuing to take one of his medications for diabetes that's supposed to lower his sugar, but he was not eating. He just really didn't have an appetite because he was in so much pain. And the combination of those things put him into diabetic ketoacidosis. So we thought we were going to lose dad that week. And I remember like my dad was not waking up. And I think it was around that time, actually, that I recorded the first podcast. Um, we were really hopeful. And I'm going to be honest, I was really what do they call it? Like apprehensively hopeful. 
I was honest in my last podcast where I said I was not relying on my faith. I did not want to ask God for a miracle because I would be disappointed if he didn't grant it uh, because there's no man more worthy than my dad. And I was, I have, I did not, and, and quite honestly have not still uh, relied on my faith to get through it or where I'm at right now. Um, I was not asking for the miracle, but I know there were plenty of people around us asking for it and just asking for my dad to not be in pain and, and just to get my dad back. And they kept telling us, you're not going to see the dad you had six weeks ago. You know, we're hoping to get him back to where he was like basically the day he told us. And we're all like, that's fine. He was joking the day he told us, like he joked that my mom was pregnant you know, we brought you all here to let you know mom's pregnant. And we're all like, what are you, like, none of us believed it. What are you talking about? So we were like, yes, give us that dad. That's amazing. And what's really hard is that we didn't ever get that dad back. Um, from that moment in his, uh, right, even really even before the diabetic ketoacidosis, he just was not the same man. And we all had to start grieving really at that period of time. Like that wasn't my dad at all. Things he was saying was not my dad. The way he was acting was not my dad. And um, that was really, really hard. It is true. And I know a lot of people in this process have been saying to myself, and so I know they're saying it to my siblings and my mom, like, we're so blessed to have a close family. And that is true. That is absolutely true. I don't know if um, I would be even able to do this share with you with such honesty if I didn't have a really close knit family and supports that come with that. I joke with people a lot. I don't have a lot of friends. Um, and really I would have said a year ago or maybe even two that I didn't have any friends. And I, because all of my friends were my family. And so, um, that answer is different now. I do have friends, but, uh, I would not be where I am if it weren't for the close knit family that I have. And I, and I am grateful for that. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's hard because most times when people get a cancer diagnosis, they have some time to process and unpack that. None of us had that opportunity, not even my dad. And, and really in all of this, my dad was my um, my main focus. I just kept saying like, how is dad? You know, people are like, he's not eating. He's not eating. And I'm like, he's got to be depressed. Somebody just told him he goes in because he's got some random thing happening to him and he finds out he has cancer and he just doesn't just have cancer. He has like an incurable cancer. They told him from the beginning, what you have, we cannot cure. I can help improve your quality of life and I can hope to extend your quality of life. But they told us from the beginning that my dad had 
between six months to one year. And honestly, I knew it was bullshit then. And, and I don't blame any doctor or any, anything like that because they do the best they can. There's no way you can know that. We had from the beginning of March to May 22nd. And in that time frame, we learned that my dad had cancer, learned that my dad had an incurable cancer. My dad went into a diabetic ketoacidosis. He doesn't ever recover fully from that. My dad, every single time he goes to the doctor, is learning more information, and they're trying chemo, and chemo's not working. And the last scan, which um, which happened the week before he passed away, you know, was so grim. And we had this really great moment with my siblings and my dad and my mom had come in and where my dad was just telling us stories and I recorded it so that I could hear his voice, even though it's not my dad's voice. Um, It was a much softer, confused version, but one that I will still cherish, of course. And he said, it's just not fair. Like we were talking to him about you know, what do you want to do, dad? Do you want to keep doing chemo if it's not working? Like you tell us we're, we're down hundred percent, whatever you want to do. And he just said, it's just not fair. He said, some people get cancer and they're able to take medicine and they live a really good life for a year and they can get done all the things they want to do and accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. And he's like, and then I get this. And he just kind of shrugs and I can still picture his hands kind of turning over in like a, what are you going to do? And my, my heart broke for my dad in that moment because two months ago he had no idea that his life was this close to being over. Like he did not have any idea. I'm sure even if he thought something was wrong, he had no idea that it was that bad. And it just, makes me incredibly sad for him because he didn't get that, you know, live like you were dying opportunity to go out. And all the man wanted to do was go to Branson a few more times, get to Florida and sit on the beach and spend time with his kids, grandkids, friends. And he wanted to thank everybody. He was like, I didn't get to thank everybody that, that did everything that prayed for me, that brought us meals that, that have been such good supports. And we were actually going to record a video of him saying thank you when he got released from the hospital. Uh, We didn't get that opportunity. Once he got home, it was almost as if he was like, this is where I wanted to be. Um, I, his last few days, um, a lot of us stayed at the house with my mom and with him. And, um, sorry, I want to try to show up, um, in this, but, um, grateful. I'm grateful that my brother, John came in from Ohio and my niece and nephew, and they made it in time. They were here to be supportive and to tell my dad that they loved him and appreciated him. And, um, it was really beautiful, um, to see the people who came over 
in those last few days just to see him and to show support to my mom. And I'm, I'm grateful for that as well. Uh, my dad did not say much his last few days. He really didn't say anything. Um, we were joking because my dad was like, what the hell? Like that was like one of the five phrases he had the last two, three weeks, at least what the hell. And, um, come on, those were his things. And we, and we kind of joke about it. Um, but, um, Saturday night he was brought home and I had gone over just cause I had a really terrible feeling. I just had a feeling I needed to be with my mom and to show up at the house for my dad. I just had the feeling and I left my brother's graduation party, got to the house just as the ambulance was pulling up with dad. They had to transport him there. And I was like, Hey dad. And got him into the house and I stayed the night that night in the room in the, he was in the living room and I stayed in the living room with him because we were so afraid he was going to roll off the bed and there weren't any like bars up to keep him in the bed. So, um, I just remember I felt like almost like a full circle moment. Um, I could, I was like that new parent who is like wants to stay in the room with their child. And then like every time they move, they wake up like what's happening. Are they okay? Are they breathing? Are they okay? That's how I felt. I woke up to every single one of my dad's movements in the bed. Many of the times it was my mom coming in to give him medicine. Um, Cause I know she was having the same feeling, just this feeling of, of anticipating what was coming next. Cause it was pretty obvious. Um, and I remember at one point in the middle of the night, my dad, he called me and I went over to the bed and I'm like, what do you need? And he was just like gasping for air. And I just, I just remember the feeling of like thinking that was his last moment. And I was really mortified. Like he seemed like he was in pain and afraid. And thankfully it was not, he was able to go back to sleep. I just kept telling him, dad, I need you to take a breath. And he did. And he went back to sleep. And I remember uh, texting my, we have a siblings chat in our phones and I texted them and I said, something is terribly wrong. You guys need to get here. And, um, they all did. And, and, None of us left for any length of time after that until after my dad passed. And even the day that it happened, it was it was such a calm day. People were joking around and my brothers, three of us were like working that morning, trying to get work stuff done. And because it seemed like things were fairly calm, like what else can you do? And my dad at around three o'clock had opened his eyes and I know it sounds, it sounds crazy. Even like when I say it, I feel like it just sounds so crazy that it was somehow calming to be there 
um, as he passed away. It almost felt like a moment of um, him being there for me when I was brought into the world and being able to be there for him as he was leaving it and watching the love that my mom has for my dad in that moment. Um, it was really beautiful. And she told him to give my sister a big kiss from her. And I could, you could tell that my dad knew what she was saying. And almost like he was anticipating what that moment would be like. And he just took a really big breath, which he hadn't done all weekend. And he was gone soon after that. Um, that's one of the hardest moments of my life. Also one that I promised myself I would be there for. To show up even if it was hard. Because that's what my dad always did. He was always there for us even if it was hard. Even when we were so hard to love. Oh my goodness. My dad... Um, my dad has just always been there. You know, and one of the things I have thought about a lot is regret of, did I ever tell my dad how much I appreciated how he showed up for me? Did, I, does, did he know how much I appreciated him? My dad was never like an emotional person or, you know, we were kind of joking about it because my dad, people would say, all right, dad, I'll talk to you later. I love you. And he'd always be like, all right. And I started to say to him when we were in the hospital, I'd say, dad, that's not what you say to people who say, I love you. And he said, I love you too. You know, he just wasn't that type of person. He didn't constantly say it. He just showed it in the way that he lived his life. He showed you that he cared about you. And we were joking um, once when it was really early on, when they told dad things, um, my brother was like, you go in there and tell dad you love him. And I, I walked to the edge of the room and I pointed to him and I was like, I love you. And then he pointed back the same way and was like, love you too. Just like super awkward, um, moment. But that's just the way that, that we express ourselves. Um, most of us anyway. I guess probably the the biggest thing that I want to share is that I have been angry. And I don't even know who I'm angry with, why I'm angry. I can't quite place it. I can just name that I'm angry and I know that I'm angry and I know that anger is what's showing up for me right now. It's anger one moment and then I'm sad and then I'm angry and then I'm sad and then I'm angry and just kind of goes back and forth and then I'm numb and then I'm not believing that all of that just happened. Like it still just feels like I'm going to go over there one day and walk into the computer room and he's going to be sitting in there watching his you know, John Wayne movie on the TV or the history channel. Like that's just what I expect to still see. And I know that that's not going to happen. And I know that's not reality, but, uh, I have wanted to punch 
many people in the face. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just feel this incredible anger coming over me when people are talking or trying to engage with me sometimes. And I'm trying to be present and mindful of that and step away when I need to. And I'm taking care of myself. If you listen to my last podcast, I'm still doing 75 hard. And I've been trying to use exercise as a coping skill and to put my energy into positive things and not focusing on the negative. But man, it's hard. Man, when when it's a an anger that you can't do anything about and it comes out of nowhere. I was trying to figure out how to get my weed at work, like the old video game. And I couldn't figure it out and I was so frustrated and I never have the strong desire to throw something at a wall and break it. I don't have that feeling. Like I'm usually pretty together. I wanted to take all three of these Wii controllers and throw them up against a wall. If I could have found a wall that didn't have things hanging on it, I think I would have just to see something break, just to get that feeling of anger and take it out on something and not someone. <sighs> I was able to take a moment and I figured it out and it was a user error. It was totally my fault. It wasn't working, but whatever. We're not going to go there. Yeah. Anger is where I'm at right now. And I got some really amazing journals uh, that a friend recommended and I'm going to start doing them. I'm not quite there yet. I will get there. I'm not quite there yet. Just because I'm not. So there. <laughs> oh my gosh. What am I five? I just wanted to come on here and be honest. I don't know if anything I just said is helpful. I don't know if you give two you know what's about anything I just said, but I just wanted to show up. And I felt like the best way that I could show up was to come on here and give you guys what what this feels like right now. And I know that it will get better. And I know that I'll learn what my new normal looks like and what new family gathering normals look like. I know that that will come. But right now, if I snap at you, <laughs> if it looks like I want to punch you in the face, I probably do want to punch you in the face, but don't take it personal. Because it's all me. It's all me trying to process my grief, trying to figure it out. And also, I guess if you have experienced grief and you know, and anger has been your thing, anger has not been my thing ever before in grief. This is the first time I've experienced this. So if you're someone who has experienced grief and you've used anger, as the way to work through it, or that's what started showing up for you, let me know how you got past it. Share it in the show notes. Message me on Facebook or Instagram. Let me know what you did. Is there some kind of place that I can go? I mean, I know counseling. Like, don't give me the obvious things. Is there a certain journal that you know of that's really good specifically to work through anger and grief? Are there really good books on losing a parent that I need to read? Like, just let me know. And then I will share those things, go through those things and share them so that other people 
um, can get that information too. I'm not the first person to lose a parent. I understand that. And I was blessed to have my dad for 43 years. And I'm grateful for that. I just am going to need some help getting over this hump, friends. I'm going to need it. Okay. With that being said, this is again a reminder to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and also look after each other. Till next time. Bye.